The Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks podcast is presented by Wong Wei Woods Disc Golf Course in Buda, Texas. Wong Wei Woods is hosting a fundraising tournament Saturday, February 4th, 2023, and is raising funds to make the course permanent. The proceeds will go to securing permanent baskets and tee boxes. You can see more by joining the Facebook group, Wong Wei Woods. That's W-O-N-G Wei Woods. Also, if you can't make the tournament, you can still help by purchasing an official custom-stamped Wong Wei Woods Mint Disc. For $22, it'll be shipped anywhere in the U.S., and you may land yourself an Unfinity Full Art Land. And international disc golfers, please send a message via Facebook. But that $22 will all go to helping the course get finalized. Once again, for any Texas listeners, Saturday, February 4th, behind Buck's Backyard in Buda, the Wong Wei Woods Fundraising Disc Golf Tournament. And the rest of you disc golf fans, join the Facebook group, Wong Wei Woods, and get your disc today. You can find a link in the show notes, and you can see the discs on the show Patreon page. Wong Wei Woods, where the river is imaginary, but the OB is not. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks podcast presented by Wong Wei Woods Disc Golf Course in Buda, Texas. I am Phil Dawson. I'm happy to have you along for the ride, and I'm happy to report I finally, finally did it, bought my first Brothers Wars pack. Huh? Now, they're all in Japanese. I couldn't read them all, but, man, was it exciting to see the art close up and have it in my hands. Uh, it was just a random purchase. Found them. At a 7-Eleven next to the register as I was checking out, and I was like, oh, I have to buy them. If you'd like something cool in your hands, remember, we're giving away an Urza and Mishra shadow box cube to the next five patrons that hit the $100 U.S. mark in our patronage. And don't forget to check out the shop for additional great pop culture, gaming, music moments, and more, all perfect to add to your collection. And if you get one, let me know about it at Phil and Sendai on Twitter or Instagram. You can see the Etsy store, etsy.com slash shop slash apes in capes. A reminder, too, that yes, we are sponsored by Wang Wei Woods, as you heard at the beginning. If you'd like to help support a dream, you can go to the Wang Wei Woods Facebook page and get yourself a custom-stamped mini disc for just 22 bucks shipped anywhere in the U.S. Check them out and help support one of our patrons' dreams. Speaking of patrons, we added a pair of patrons since our last show, and they are definitely uh, Skyrim fans. Yol Dova King and Sul Dova King, a content human and content angel or demon. Thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot. Again, everything from the patron page until March is going to our trip to the States for the first time in four years. So thank you for your help. It's awesome and totally appreciated, and it really does help. So thank you. Don't forget to join the discard t- uh, Discord. What's a discard? Oh, playing magic. Been having fun there. It's great to see some of the conversations coming alive with like-minded magic lore fans. So thanks to all of you for joining up as well. It's been pretty cool. Okay, let's go. Chapter 8 Urza was unprepared for the Phyrexian attack. One moment, the Planeswalker had been studying a cliff face for traces of Thran artifice, and in the next, a stream of hellish energy had slammed into him from behind and pinned him to the rock wall. It had required of the walker every ounce of his willpower to hold together his form in the face of the surprise attack. The second negator hit him from the side, a flurry of rending claws and razor-sharp fangs. Only by throwing the second Phyrexian into the energy attack of the first did Urza manage to break away and recapture a portion of his strength. Now the three danced about wildly. Urza moved with preternatural speed, his attention divided between two negators. They came close to matching him. Lightning crackled at Urza's fingertips, striking out like some kind of whip, keeping the negators at bay. 
Where the energy touched the creatures, it split the armor, exposing black, corrupted flesh beneath. He couldn't seem to reach anything vital in these robust creatures. The energy cannon that replaced the arm of one Phyrexian continued to strike at him with dangerous effect. Wherever the reddish stream touched him, the equivalence of mortal pain ate into his concentration. The more he devoted to keeping his form intact, the less he had to deal with his own offense. Urza settled into a defensive pattern, gambling that the Phyrexians could not come up with another surprise while he built up his own power. The negator, predisposed to physical assault, uttered a long and piercing shriek that threw a disrupting ripple throughout the walker's entire form. A wisp of fiery energy from the cannon caught Urza in the arm, and for the briefest second, he recalled the mortal pain of a burn as well as the disruption to his immortal form, a sensation he would have been happy to have lived without remembering. Drawing power from his memory of the Herloon Mountains, calling forth the powerful mana they offered, Urza cast lightning from both hands, which began piling up in front of him. The collection pulsed and grew, spitting out arcs of snapping energy. No more time left to him. Urza cast the large ball of lightning forward. It sped toward the negator, brandishing the cannon. It dodged the first pass, but was caught up trying to shake the inexorable advance. It gave Urza all the time he needed. Bringing his staff to bear, the planeswalker triggered one of its many functions, a sonic attack, one that he had devised decades before to deal with the Phyrexian infestation of Talaria. The sound interfered with the composition of glistening oil, the lifeblood of Phyrexian living artifice. The high-pitched harmonics slammed into the second negator with incredible force, throwing it back and pinning it to the earth. Sprays of gray-black liquid gushed from the negator's open wounds, and it trembled and shook. Urza moved forward. The head of his staff pointed directly at the creature. With a final spasm, the gator fell still, its fluids leaking onto the ground and staining the soil black. Only then did Urzin notice that the second negator had ignored the attack of harmonic sound. It still dodged about nimbly, evading the pulsing collection of energies that trailed after it relentlessly. There would be no escaping the strike, only delay, but the walker couldn't be sure of it being enough to kill the negator. Tapping the mana as he had done before, Urza quickly built up another such electrical storm and flung it toward the cornered Phyrexian. Weak from the attacks against him and concerned that the remaining negator might have sent a summons to others, Urza cast his form into the chaos that existed between worlds and walked away. While the pain of the burn had long faded, its memory continued to worry in the back of his mind. Flanked by four of the armored Phyrexian soldiers, their black armor gleaming dull orange in the fiery glow of the lava tubes, the Volt toured the main facility concerned with the production of flowstone. The massive bladed dials spinning in their housing above generated most of the mechanical power required. Giant corkscrews pulled up the lava and black crusted tubes from the geological furnaces of wrath far underground. They would be cooled by water, siphoned off a nearby lake, and then fed farther up into the processing machinery. Yellow steam escaped the joints of nearby pistons, scalding and sulfurous. The machinery this far down had turned rust red over time, standing exposed to the sulfurous steam. Devol filed away a mental note that the machinery should be overhauled as soon as the secondary additions were built and in full production. The megalithic proportions of the two new attractors demanded an incredible investment of labor and time. Another 50 years of work before the new facilities would be ready, this as the Vec and Phyrexians measured time, both referring back to the old Dominarian calendar of their ancestors. The Coruscant native measured years a bit longer. It didn't matter either way. Devol never forgot a detail he had committed to his memory. It was now 133 years since the Phyrexians brought him away from Coruscant, and he could review notes made to himself over a century back that had still not come due. So far beyond his normal lifespan, the Phyrexian collaborator still resented being trapped in the weak and diseased body for which 
Corison physicians had once predicted an early demise. Now he had certainly outlived those physicians and any other Corison living then. The Phyrexians kept him alive and offered a few improvements, when it suited their needs, but little else. They guaranteed him virtual immortality so long as he kept the machines running here on Wrath, so long as he completed whatever task was set before him, so long as Krog decided that he was useful. The Vec workers, a humanoid race with blunt features and knobby joints, stood nearby during the inspection, their pale skin from so long trapped away from any sun flushed in the room's heat. They despised him. He knew that, but they would never do anything so long as the Phyrexian troops stood guard. Any one of the spindly-limbed warriors could kill them all, easily, before Duvall was put in any mortal danger that the Phyrexians could not repair. That was the trick, to beat the Phyrexians' ability to remake and improve. Duvall was learning something of this in his attempts to kill the hated Urza Planeswalker. I want production increased, he said to the Vex supervisor in charge. Nothing indicated a difference between her position and a common laborer, but Duvall still knew. It paid to single out those who should know that their lives would answer last if any trouble should arise. His policy was simple. If the supervisor failed to accomplish the tasks given to him, he would watch those who reported to him die. The policy was quite effective, and the Vec policed themselves to keep supervisors who would not throw away their lives needlessly. The borders must be pushed back faster with enough excess for my special use. See that it happens. The Vec nodded, sullen but compliant. Sweat ran down her face face a mask, only her brilliant blue eyes spoke of her hatred. Devold departed, leaving behind two guards. The others came with him back down a long corridor lined with corroded metal pipes that ended in a large balcony open to the outside. He stepped up onto his flying disc. Traveling around the stronghold was no easy feat. From the caldera rim, he had been unable to accurately judge its size. It was better than three kilometers in height as measured from the lower machinery to the top of the stronghold's cyclone funnel tower and twice that in width, its entirety filled with Phyrexian artifice or denizens over which he had authority. His guards joined him, and Duvall mentally commanded the disc to rise and move through the open wall. The immense cavern, almost a second caldera beneath the first, knew a perpetual twilight. Some lights issued from the bottom side of the stronghold, while the Vex city below offered slightly brighter areas where its thinly arrayed neighborhoods clustered together into shared warrens. The air was warm and very humid, with condensing steam eventually falling down onto the city as a caustic rain. The disc rose rapidly toward the sculpted ceiling and then through one of the holes that dilated open and allowed a vent to the upper caldera. Duvall noted that he must, in the next year or so, look into the sulfuric rain. Not that he cared for the Vex troubles. The escape of so much mineral content in the steam spoke of inefficiency in the machinery, which must translate into slower production of flowstone. Flowstone a wondrous substance. He discovered its merits almost immediately upon assuming responsibility for wrath. Reaching into the wide sleeve that covered his right arm, he removed from a hidden pocket the sample of flowstone he carried with him always. Warmed by the trip into the bowels of the stronghold's machinery, the fist-sized hunk of tanned stone still seemed unremarkable, as plain as it had been when the steward had torn it from the barren landscape that stretched between horizons. It was so much more. Without much effort, Duvall mentally shaped it into a series of rough figures, a cylinder, then a cube. The tam substance would soften under his command, then melt like a candle in an oven, except the stone would not run out of his hand, but toward whatever new shape he desired, a ship, an egg, a short staff. It was much harder than any other regular stone, and apparently had no limits on what it might accomplish. He concentrated a bit more, and the short staff melted into a knife with a fine bone handle and a very sharp edge. 
A touch more thought and the handle softened as if wrapped by leather. Devol had made such weapons with blades so fine as to be able to score the hardest Phyrexian metal. Blowstone apparently obeyed those with power over in the Plain of Wrath, both in small portions like he held or in massive planes of the material. An Avancar, named by Phyrexia, would possess full mastery. Now Devol and Krogh shared that power. A member of Phyrexia's inner circle, a permanent guest of the stronghold and constantly looking over Devol's shoulder. Devol did not doubt with whom Wrath's final authority currently rested, but Krogh showed little interest in manipulating the Flowstone, and it was control of the Flowstone that might end up being the deciding factor of who truly ruled Wrath. The knife softened and changed shape in his hand. The disc exited the upper vent and flew over the stronghold's lower surfaces. Black metal gleamed as lightning cascaded in the sky high above and bathed the caldera in an unnatural and beautiful red wash. Devol sent the disc on a long glide around the main tower to the throne room. In his hand, he held an exquisite flowstone crown. Yes, flowstone was one of the two paths into full power here on Wrath. Power Devol meant to have. Urza Planeswalker guarded Wrath's second path into power. The Phyrexians despised Urza as no single other entity in the known multiverse, and Imaginable reward awaited the one clever enough to rid the dark race of him. Despite Devol's best efforts through the six decades so far, planning traps and instructing the gators on new tactics, the planeswalker kept right on existing. Something had to be done, not just planned, but physically accomplished, not exactly one of Devol's strengths. He paced the floor where a seeker had brought the latest negator corpses after their discovery on another plane. Two this time, smaller than most, but very deadly and extremely fast. Wrath Stewart had hoped that their augmented reflexes would offset Urza's defenses. Not so, obviously. Their armored carapaces had been melted open in a dozen places. The blackened flesh of the first corpse appeared thoroughly disrupted, and Devol found it desiccated of glistening oil. The second negator arrived in three pieces, having been caught in a maelstrom of energies that Devol could only begin to guess at. This one leaked oil in a spreading pool, the room's light flashing over it in a filmy rainbow. The area stunk of charred meat, scorched oil, and hot steel. He stood, watching the oil spread over the polished metal floor, and thought. He heard the rasping of metal fibers sliding over each other. Krogh. Urza Planeswalker lives! Krogh said, not a question. The Phyrexian stopped beside Devol, his cleft skull staring down at the ruined negators. Devol nodded. Obviously. The council member's voice still sounded to him like a series of chattering squeals and hisses, but the Phyrexian had found it convenient to complete Devol's inner ear, so those sounds actually made sense to him now. Removing the language barrier had also mellowed Devol's fear of the Phyrexian, who was no longer quite so alien. Besides which, living in the shadow of death for better than a century would harden anyone to its presence. Krogh turned in Devol's direction. What do you do now? It asked. I am thinking. Duvall prodded at a severed arm with the toe of one armored boot. The arm was actually a cannon of sorts, capable of delivering a stream of hellish energy that could disrupt a planeswalker's energy patterns. It rolled over, leaving behind a trail of soot and oily sludge. They were fortunate to have the corpses to examine. Quite often, they were never recovered. They did not perform as I had hoped, Duvall admitted. Not that predictions could be made easily. Negators did not conform to any particular design. These Phyrexians ranged from short, bulky creations to large dragon engine war machines. Bigger did not always mean better. 
except at times a better target. For Duvall, who relied upon a ability to organize and categorize such maverick functions made for difficult evaluations. Krog hissed. He must not interfere again. A skeletal arm reached out toward Devolt, razor-sharp fingers raking slowly through the air before the steward's face. You are failing. Devolt's wide-set eyes stared at the talons hovering inches from his face. Swallowing against the knot in his throat, he kept any waver from his voice. I am doing the best possible. Urza has lived for over three millennia. He will not go quietly into the void. That gave Krog a moment of pause possibly reminded him of the failure of so many others. The arm lowered a fraction. Duvall sidestepped away, crouching down to closer inspect the desiccated negator. Krogh expected some kind of action. The steward would find something. The easiest excuse would be to blame the negator's design. Obviously, they were flawed, though perhaps Krogh would not care to hear him maligning more perfect Phyrexians. Against any regular form of life, the negators were fearsome assassins, but a planeswalker called for a new outlook and innovation. There, Devol met an impasse. True innovation, the ability to make radical leaps forward, would be beyond him. He had a feeling that Krog understood that, that his immersion in the details and inability for radical thinking was an important reason he'd been selected for this position in Wrath. It made him the perfect steward, able to be trusted so much as the Phyrexians trusted anyone not of their own race. He did see areas in the Phyrexian negators that might be improved upon. Difficulty lay in his lack of understanding for the Planeswalkers' strengths and weaknesses. We'll take time, he said after some thought. He reached out and traced a scar melted into the negator's armor. His pale finger came away with just a smudge of black. More time than I first thought, he said, stalling with careful words. But I believe it is possible. He stood. There is a planeswalker can be killed. Krog was not one for easy conversation. He screeched, and Duvall caught the hint of intensity behind that one word. For the first time, Duvall wondered if Krog somehow had personal interest in the death of Urza Planeswalker. Did the inner council member, too, live under the shadow of death? Punishment by the ineffable, the Phyrexian Dark Lord? A chill trembled his pasty skin. It made sense. Looking back on the last six decades of Krog's presence and constant interference, the data had been incomplete up until now. Duvall had been unable to place a mental touch upon this Phyrexian, his mind too alien and relying on speakers for so many of those years. He answered Krogh with his own question. Can negators be completed to my own specifications? Metal cloth writhed, wrapping itself up and about Krogh's face for a second, leaving a glistening sheen over the Phyrexian's taut gray skin. This can be done. He promised. With such infrequent contact between negators and the planeswalker, might take decades merely to enhance the negator's sensory abilities so that recovered corpses could provide better data on their observations of Urza, as well as the negator's own ability to fight him. It could be centuries more before Duvall could hope to improve on their design. It was how he worked best, though, able to organize and manipulate an infinite array of details to find the most efficient path. His plan would show constant progress, purchasing an existence for him that would stretch out over several times the natural lifetime of a Coruscant native. Also, this evolutionary process would allow him to create an army of negators, the lethal ability of which Phyrexia had never known. With this presentation alone, Duvall might be brought up to completion himself, named Evancar of Wrath. 
Wasn't that the Phyrexian way, after all? To improve in the current generation that which failed in the previous? The Vol felt the Planeswalker's death was assured. The power of numbers was on his side. Eventually, Urza would be overwhelmed. But under a slow program of constant refinement to the creatures that hunted him, that could stretch out perhaps another five centuries. The Vol would have his monsters, and eventually the life of the Walker as well. With any luck, Urza would take a long time to die.